Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me right now, we have our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasuri. Hi, John. How you doing? Good to be hanging out here in your office. The team is on the road, so things get a little easier for us sometimes when uh, we don't have games every night. But obviously, it's been kind of enjoyable watching Yankees baseball right now. Yeah, really exciting. I mean, 10 in a row is a, is a really... As, as we record this. As we record this, uh, a really nice streak. It's significant when you reach double digits. Uh, it's real. And, you know, I, I think so much of it has to do as everyone knows with the starting pitching on this team and 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 it doesn't just start and end with Garrett Cole but when you look at you know the entire rotation whether it's Jordan Montgomery, Jamison Tyone, uh, Nestor Cortez, of course Luis Severino, it just seems like every single night you're getting a quality start and when you do that night in and night out you're going to win a lot of games, and I'm hopeful that things keep going in that same direction because it's pretty impressive. And, you know, one of the things that you, you you learn if you spend enough time watching this stuff is that even though the baseball season is very long and sometimes maybe it's hard to figure out what a mid-April game, you know, what the virtue of it really is, you get to the end of the season and, I mean, God, look at last year. The Yankees made their way into the playoffs on the last day of the season. Every game matters. So I'm not suggesting that you can throw anything away, but I will say – Look, who knows what's going to happen in the next two weeks uh, as we record this now. Things are our, our previous two weeks have been very good. But if you go back to the beginning of the season, the earliest uh, starts when Garrett Cole had nothing. Aaron Judge was a little slow out of the gate, maybe. You know, I, I just remember thinking to myself, like, these are great problems. You know, the, the best thing that can happen for the New York Yankees right now is for Garrett Cole to be the one struggling because, you know, Garrett Cole is going to figure it out. <laughs> you know, Aaron Judge is going to figure it out. And I'll say the same thing right now is this the Giancarlo Stanton right now that we're seeing who we watched last year? No, but Giancarlo Stanton's going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So you figure, again, when you are banking wins, and these wins, even though they're in April and now May, all 10 of those wins count at the end of the season. Uh, They're banked. You know, when you're banking wins and you're doing it without every single thing clicking, maybe it's naive, maybe it's too optimistic, but it's nice to think like, well, what if everything was clicking? I agree with you. I I think, especially the first point you made, when you see Nestor Cortez throwing the ball the way he is and, you know, giving the Yankees a chance to win game after game (laughs) the way he has been, 
that feels a lot better than watching Garrett Cole do it because you're expecting Garrett Cole to do it and literally almost expecting it every time out when everybody else is doing it. That's really impressive. That really gets you excited for what the prospects are for the rest of the year. You know, the concern about Garrett Cole Injury aside, you know, there's no injury. Obviously, if he was hurt, you'd be like, okay, well, that's a real concern. Just from a performance standpoint, um, it was almost comical, in my opinion, to um, kind of hear what was being said in terms of where he was going and what was going to happen the rest of the year. You know, was he going to win a game? Was he gonna... It's almost comical when you think about it. You know, he had to write the ship. He did. And look, I mean, again, we're recording this on Tuesday. So Sunday, it was the Aaron Judge show. You have two home runs and a little dribbler. That's another RBI. And then Monday, it's Gleyber Torres, who we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for Mm -hmm. this. And we got it Monday night in Toronto. What does that mean for Tuesday night and Wednesday night? I don't know. But but the good thing about this team is, again, like, would I be shocked if two weeks from now we're recording the next episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast and we're talking about... Giancarlo Stanton winning AL Player of the Week twice in a row, I would not be shocked. No, me neither. <laughs> me neither. He, he's he's pretty close, I think, and he's already had a good year. Has it been a great year? No, but that's probably going to be what, how we're describing it in September. Yeah. History, history says that, yes, history says if he stays healthy, which he has, he's been very valuable. He has allowed Boone to play multiple lineups the way he clearly wants to and, and to move guys around and give guys a break, which is obviously helpful this time of year, especially look with the, with a trip to Toronto where you're playing on the turf right now and everything like that. You know, you want to make sure that you're moving guys around and giving guys breaks. The Yankees have been able to do that because they are so deep in their lineup right now. But that is uh, all good stuff to look forward to. I don't know. You may even call it exemplary. And uh, <laughs> that that's a nice tie into the first segment of today's episode where we are going to talk about Al's story about the recently retired Ken Singleton, exemplary in every way. In our second segment, we are going to be joined by MLB.com's Brian Hoke to discuss his reporting, his weekend as the uh, TV fill-in for Meredith Morakovitz, and certainly his uh, excellent, excellent new podcast. Uh, we welcome to the podcasting fold. But Al, before we get there, let's uh, wrap up our April issue, if you will, here on uh, the first week of May with uh, the last piece from the April issue, which was your look at Ken Singleton's life and career as he stepped away from the broadcast booth at the end of last season. It was a real thrill to report on this story, which essentially was me going down to Baltimore in November to have lunch with Ken in, you know, Little Italy at Sabatino's, but having, you know, having lunch with him at his favorite Italian restaurant in Little Italy down there and just spending a couple hours and having him reflect on a 25-year you know, journey as a broadcaster. And then prior to that, uh, another long journey as a baseball player, most of which was played in Baltimore, which is why he lives there still. And it was really fun to hear him recollect about the, the, the rivalry with the Yankees in the late 70s and the 80s as a member of the Baltimore Orioles. And of course, he was a great player there. And then to hear him kind of weave through his life as a broadcaster and the way he prepared and the things that he did and the way that he you know, just his attitude towards people, the way that he treats people, him kind of expounding on that. And, and, you know, for our listeners, he's somebody who's so well respected in this building and really throughout baseball, not only for the type of hard worker that he is, but just for the the kind, gentle soul that he has and the way that he treats people. So to have him all to myself for three hours and a restaurant, I'll say I didn't want the the lunch to end, but boy, was was it a great experience. A great experience that really comes through in the story out. Uh, you Thank know, you. everyone, the weird thing about a story about a guy like Ken Singleton is 
you're talking to him, but you're talking to a guy who everyone feels like has been talking to them for years. You know, I mean, we listened to Ken Singleton as the voice of these games. We listened to him telling us both analysis sometimes or play by play at other times. And so there's a lot of times, obviously, when you or I will go and spend some time talking to somebody and really feel like you're getting to know them for the first time and feeling each other out a little bit in those first questions. Whereas I know every time I talk to someone who's a prominent broadcaster, it's always just like, oh, yeah, I've been talking to you for years. You've just never <laughs> you, you've just never spoken to me. And I, and I especially always find it funny, whether it's in a restaurant or anything like that, when you're making small talk that doesn't involve and here's the pitch or something like that. And she's like, the voice is so familiar. And like, yet you hear him complaining about something or telling a funny story about something that happened the night before. And it's like, you know, it's still the same voice. It's just very, very different uh, a story. Yeah, it's true. And, and you know, for me, it was even, even I could identify that even more. Like 25 years for me takes me back to being in high school and watching the Yankees every night and listening to Ken Singleton to then being in college and then working here and getting to know him a little bit, but still watching him, you know, just about every night on the broadcasts. And um, and I agree with you. That's a great point. It, it, it's like I felt like I knew this person forever. I felt like I knew his family. I felt like I knew his story. The only weird thing was he didn't know who the heck I was. <laughs> but now. I will tell you from this great piece, we've corresponded since then. He sent me just a really beautiful note about the story, which again is completely in line with the type of class act that he is. And now I actually do know him a little bit. So I'm even more grateful to have had the opportunity to do the story. Well, it's a, it's a lot of fun, like I said, and I, I, one of my favorite things in there, I I would say my, there are my two favorite things in the story is first off him worrying about coming to the S network and broadcasting Yankees games, because obviously he had been a pretty, uh, he had a pretty solid record against the Yankees. He did some uh, rough things to old George Steinbrenner's uh, favorite team. (laughs) And then, you know, he's wondering to himself, Oh man, what's this going to be like? And then what he found out is a great thing. What did he find out? Yeah. I found out that George wanted to trade for him (laughs) and he wanted him to be here and really had admired him. And and I think that was something that, you know, was kind of unique about Mr. Steinbrenner. He he would act like some really good opposing players were the enemy and the villains, but secretly he always wanted them. And Roger Clemens being another one, you know, always wanted him, always wanted him to be here. And, you know, Kenny was a guy he he really respected. And I think the the other really kind of thing that that jumped out from that whole narrative about how the heck am I going to get this job as a Yankees broadcaster? was I think that the powers that be, Mr. Steinbrenner included, really liked the fact that he was from around here. And and I never thought about that until I was in the conversation with Ken Singleton, and he's talking about different landmarks outside of Baltimore. And I'm like, huh, I have no idea where these places are. Whereas being from here, Mount Vernon, New York, a hop, skip, and a jump away from Yankee Stadium, he could talk about the different places and the different towns and almost had a Phil Rizzuto-like spirit to that. And that was something that they liked, and it, sh- and it paid off. It absolutely did pay off. It's a great story in there. And, I, and I'll give you my, my the second uh, favorite thing from there, which I alluded to before. I think that there is a sense, mostly unfair, but certainly prevalent, that a lot of these former players, they just, you know, take the easy buck, go into the booth, you know, chat about baseball a little bit, and it's a pretty sweet gig. What I thought was great about reading Ken's philosophy on this stuff is when he decided that he could actually be a lot more valuable if he learned how to do play-by-play. Like, forget about just being a guy who came in there and offered some color analysis, you know, every so often worked a couple games, but he said, 
you know what? There's better players who are retiring than I was, and they're going to want them for the job. And so I better figure out something to separate myself. And I know I say this a lot on this podcast, but I think that one thing that baseball fans can always pick up the more they learn about these players is how much goes into being great. And a lot of times, every single person that you watch on that field, or let's say 95% of them, have world-class, elite, elite, elite talent. It's not like 1% better than the next person. It's like 100% better than the next right. person. And yet, every single one of them still has to figure out what to do to maximize that talent. So if you figure, Ken Singleton, why is he able to study and learn how to do play-by-play? Well, for the same reasons that he was able to study and learn the strike zone. Because it's not as easy as just being strong and powerful and swinging the bat well. You have to learn all the stuff you constantly have to be learning. Frankly, if you're... You know, a young kid from some island nation who grew up not speaking English and suddenly, and you, now you're doing interviews in English. Think about the massive undertaking that is to be able to do that stuff on top of everything else you're learning. And these players are constantly doing that stuff. There is so much education that goes on off the field to be a major league player. And so, again, you know, you read that stuff and it puts in your head all these things that I know I'm guilty of thinking like, oh, this guy, you know, he has nothing to offer. All he ever did was play the game. And so, therefore, they think that he should be the one we have to listen to talk about it. It's like, well, maybe there are some cases like that, but there's also plenty of cases of guys who absolutely take this as seriously as they took their first career. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much separation in how he prepared to play the game and how he prepared to broadcast the game. And he was candid about it. I think where that comes out, honestly, not not only in the story, but in other interviews he's done and in our conversation, I think that came out when he spoke about why he retires, because I didn't know why. He loved it. And I don't think anyone knew why, other than the fact that, you know, he's no spring chicken. Everybody gets older and wants to to not have to work. But I think when he talked about the, the real rationale behind walking away, it came down to, I'm not going to do this job halfway. I'm going to watch every single Yankees game every single night, not only the ones I broadcast, but all the other ones so that I'm super, super prepared. And I know everything that's happening in and around this team when it's my night to broadcast. So even though he had the opportunity to just broadcast a small number of games, in his mind, he would still be working every night. And I'll say, we have a lot of great broadcasters on the S Network, and there's a lot of great broadcasters throughout Major League Baseball. But boy, if every one of them had that same philosophy, then every one of them you know, would would be at the very, very, very top of the game. And, and that's where he was. And I'll tell you, it makes a difference. It, it does. This is a, you know, maybe a little too getting ahead of ourselves here, but it's obviously the beginning of May right now. But for our June issue, I'm working on a story about Michael King. And I punch in and out of Yankee Stadium. When I get here, I punch in. When I leave, I, I punch out. People always ask me, you know, do you have to watch the games? And what I say a lot of times is, of course, I don't have to watch the games when they're on the road or anything like that. But, you know, I often am writing about something, so I often do. And I will tell you, the other night, I missed the game. I don't even remember what happened, but I missed it. And so I'm going back afterward. And sure enough, you know, one out in the seventh inning, Michael King comes in in a rough situation, induces a double play. Now, can I go back and watch that entire bat and the bats leading up to it and the next at bats and all these things? Can I speak to Michael King about that moment? Of course. And yet I felt in that time, like, how much better would my story about this be, my understanding of it, if I had experienced it with tension, like to to really understand the moment as it was happening? Because I can't recreate it. I can look at what happened, but I know that he's going to induce a double play grounder. And that is something that I feel a lot of times is why I am watching when I'm burned out of baseball for the day and I've, you know, earned my uh, salary for that day and I just (laughs) I want to watch something else. But there's just these times that, you know, I 
am trying to write about this whole thing holistically and I better understand it. And again, it goes back to, I remember working at a college newspaper and seeing, you know, the kids who were working at the college radio station. We'd always be like, oh my God, like how easy that is. You know, you just call a game. You're just, you're just saying what happens in front of you. Whereas we have to do all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then you meet any broadcaster and you learn how much goes into preparing in order to do that. And how much you have to know, how many stories you have to have banked for each of these guys, how easily you have to remember who everyone is just by catching their number on the back and remembering if uh, someone's shifting or if maybe someone got subbed out last inning, making sure that you're saying the balls hit to the right all these things i think it's obvious now for us but there's so much that goes into it yeah there really is and he talked about that very eloquently i think that's a great point you make though especially in terms of watching something with tension i think about just being in the press box during a big game and you are tense and you are watching it with tension and you're nervous and you can almost take that feeling that you have and put it into words about the whole thing ken did that perfectly he really did and you know there's a like to your point also like there's a lot of dead air to fill baseball is you know in a baseball game the ball is pitched every so many seconds let's just say there's a lot of dead air to fill and he did a great job of that because he knew everything that was going on with the guy who was at the plate and then the next guy and the next guy and the guy who was at first base he always wanted to be fair to visiting players as well as the, the the Yankees players so you know so often you see a guy run down to first gingerly it doesn't look like he's hustling and what Ken talked about was If that's the case, before he kind of convicts that person of being lazy or not caring or whatever, he would do his due diligence and he would find out why that person was doing that. And maybe they were lazy (laughs) or maybe the other reason was they were dealing with, you know, plantar fasciitis or they were dealing with some issue and they were basically managing their efforts so that they could be on the field the next day. And and he made a great point without really disparaging anyone or, or anything like that. But, you know, so oftentimes the broadcaster kind of paints their their own picture and that's not always accurate. It's not the whole picture. It's not the complete picture. And he did a really, really great job for, again, a quarter of a century of always knowing exactly what was going on or to the best of his ability. And he was exceptional at that. Absolutely. I think it's a great piece. I think it's an interesting piece right now also because fans who have been watching the Yankees on the Yes Network so far this year. You know, you're seeing Cameron Maven come in and do some games. You're seeing Carlos Beltran come in and do some games. And I think both of them have been very good so far. I think Maven just really feels like a natural at it in every single way. And I will always say that Carlos Beltran is the smartest baseball mind that I've ever been around. So I'm certain that every time I watch a game that he's announcing, I'm going to learn something from. I have no doubt about it. But it's a work in progress for both of them, obviously. And that's no knock on either one of them. This is hard. And they're doing it at the big league level. You don't get the minor leagues in uh, announcing, in a sense. But it, what it shows you, though, is obviously, you know, as, as, as you see kind of that torch passed from Ken Singleton to these guys, you know, I think that Ken would be the first to tell you how much promise they're showing and how much dignity they have so far in, in the booth and all, and all the positive things. But I think that uh, what we should recognize and what I'm sure Cameron and Carlos do right now is just how hard it is and what that says about how much we got to enjoy listening to Ken Singleton all those years. So Al, I think you really, you nailed that. I, I think, I think that really just came across so well in the story of that. Again, to repeat something I said, this is a guy we knew in a lot of ways. We, we knew who he was. We knew how he was. We knew the kind of person he was and what was important to him from listening to him all these years. But I think you still were able to draw out even some more of those things that uh, just showed how special a duty is. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you.
Yeah, for sure. Um, before we move on to our conversation with Brian, obviously that, like I said, closes the book on the April issue. But coming out this weekend, when the team returns home, we are going to get to uh, show off our new May issue, which has your cover story with Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, I'm excited. Really, really excited about the Anthony Rizzo story. The cover is just absolute beautiful photo of him. Just so bright, stands out. It's a really exciting story. And, uh, you know, we're, we're a monthly magazine. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's challenging to kind of forecast, you know, who the right person is, especially in May when there's not a lot of, <laughs> you know, games that have been played. But no matter what Anthony Rizzo has done or continues to do or doesn't continue to do statistically, he's really proven himself to be quite a leader on this team and have tremendous value to this team. And it was really fun to write about him and just kind of learn about who he is because he's a, he's a he's a great player. For sure. We'll talk a lot more about that in the month to come. We also have features on two uh, significant opening day victories for uh, the Yankees family. The first one being the game that fans remember here, the 11th inning uh, walk-off win, and also Rachel Balkovic's first uh, opening day as manager of uh, an affiliated baseball team for the Tampa Tarpons. That was uh, exciting. Nathan McAborski wrote that piece. And, of course, there's just so much more in this magazine, which we are going to get to discussing with you in a couple of episodes to come. But we are excited for fans to get to the stadium on Friday and to make sure they pick up that copy. Because every time we get a new one out, it really it just feels special. It looks special. And I will say we've had a lot of gloomy days, although not this past weekend. We've had a lot of gloomy and kind of not so great uh, April days here. Some cold but, days. Uh, some cold days. But I will tell you, that May cover... That looks like summer. Um, it just—it's a beautiful blue sky. There's so yeah. much blue in it. It just looks like baseball, and uh, ho- hopefully, it uh, bodes well for the for the month to come. Absolutely, well said. Well, Al, thank you so much, and uh, for everyone else, I hope you'll stick with us as we chat with MLB.com's Brian Hoke about all that's going on in his world. So stick around. Hi, this is Gleyber Torres. You are listening to Yankees Magazine podcast. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, this is Aaron Judge. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. We are going international right now as we are joined across the border by Brian Hoke from Toronto from some undisclosed location where he just moved out of a very echoey stairwell and now appears to be directly in the corner of something. But I appreciate uh, all the work he's doing here. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great. I hope your international calling plan covers this. Uh, remember back in the day when we had to worry about these things? I, I guess with Zoom, we can talk anywhere at any time, right? It's funny even to think about, honestly, I, the last time I was in a hotel, I was thinking about Remember when you would go even like just in a domestic hotel and it was like the idea of using the phone in that hotel. It was like, what What am I, a Rockefeller? You think I'm going to make a phone call? <laughs> it was terrifying. Yeah, you couldn't even make a local call because I have no idea what it was going to call, what it was going to cost. Or, you know, I, I didn't want to get hit with that bill at the end. But, uh, yeah, no, having cell phones now, just uh, dial. What technology? What an amazing thing. 
I mean, I, th- I think, you know, every kid has that thing that, like, you know, their parents, like, make them afraid of, you know, whether, you know, it could be monsters, it could be robbers. For me, it was, like, hotel phones and minibars. Like, if you if you breathe in the direction of a minibar, you're going to lose all your money. Right. And, and do, you not touch, do not touch anything. The Reese's pieces are off limits. Do not go for that. I have a story about that, though. I remember, do you remember those one nine hundred number commercials that were on TV back in the day? And they were clearly targeted right to us as eight-year-old kids. And there was one where there was a wrapping Santa Claus. And I called this thing like 20 times. I didn't even like it. I didn't even think it was like interesting. But Santa Claus was talking and he was, he was going to rap to me. So, of course, I'm going to call that number. And my parents were furious. And so uh, no more 900 numbers for me after that. Well, let me tell you, uh, because what, part of what we're doing on this episode here of the Yankees Magazine podcast is talking about other people's podcasts. There's an amazing episode of the great podcast Reply All, where they look at like in you know 20. I think this one came out in 2021. Like there are actually still like these like thriving 800 number businesses, which doesn't make any sense, but like it goes into like what it is and how it works and why it works still in this time. And it's actually a very very funny and interesting episode. But that I mean, I think that's it for today. Then I think that's probably why people tuned in was to hear a couple of our stories like that. So, Brian, thanks for um, you're welcome. But, anytime, anytime I can talk about the rapping Santa Claus cautionary tale, I'm very happy to do that. We give the listeners what they want, Brian. That's right. Um, but yes. now, speaking of giving people what they want, the Yes Network finally, finally listened to my demands to get Brian Hoke on the air, and I think that uh, the world is richer for it. How, how's was that, that you? for you? That was I mean, me. It, 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 thank you, first of all. Uh, it's been so much fun. Um, you know, just kind of flexing my muscles and trying something differently, doing some sideline reporting, just filling in for Meredith. Don't worry, she's coming back. Uh, she'll be back on the homestand. But uh, kind of a last-minute thing, thrown into the fire in Kansas City. And uh, the, the on-field interviews after the game, doing the player of the game, that has been probably the most fun for me. There is such a thrill about being on the field in the ninth inning. You're waiting. You're ticking down the outs. You're you're trying, I mean, your heart is pumping, you're one out, two outs now. And I'm thinking, all right, what is my question going to be? What am I going to do? Do not stumble over your words. Like, let's do this clean. Let's, let's prove you can do this job. And um, so far, three for three with the on-field interviews. And the Yankees haven't lost a game since I came on board here. And now I, I realized I joined them in the winning streak. But uh, we'll see, uh, you know, a happy clubhouse, a winning clubhouse. That's, uh, that's a whole lot more fun to work than one that just lost a big game. Look, I'm not going to break any news here when I say that baseball players are a little bit superstitious. And we're recording this on Wednesday. We recorded our first segment on Tuesday when the Yankees had a 10-game winning streak. Well, spoiler alert, the Yankees now have an 11-game winning streak. And all I'm going to say is that if by some chance today the Yankees make that a 12-game winning streak and head back home for Friday night's game, I don't really see the team just being like, yeah, you know, let's change it up. Let's go with Meredith. I think, I think that you at that point then become the permanent uh, sideline reporter for the New York Yankees. So, you know what? I don't think that's how it works, but uh, I guess we'll find out in about 48 hours. Right. You put it, but look, you're pulling double duty right now. Obviously, triple yeah. duty, quadruple duty. We'll get to all that. But I, I know that every one of us who spends time on the Yankees beat in the Yankees clubhouse you know, there are few people to be around with who are more engaging, more fun, more funny than Meredith. And I imagine one thing that you're finding out right now is that it's also not an easy job, which she does every day. No, I texted her after day one in Kansas City and I said, your job is hard. And I put it in capital letters and I, I made sure to, to let her know that I'm enjoying it and it's fun and it's a thrill for me to to step in there. But uh, no, Meredith, uh, it, it is really tough and because you have to be thinking 
constantly as the game is going on. You're you're watching the game, but then you're thinking, how does this impact my plan post game? What questions do I need to ask? What are the viewers going to want to hear about this game? Is this important? Is that important? And you're, you're constantly doing that mathematical equation as the game is going on. So it's not really just sit back and watch a ball game. And even for me as a writer, you have more time because I know I'm going to have time to go back upstairs and write my story. And if I don't phrase a question perfectly, that's okay, because I'm just going to use the quote in my story. My question is not going to appear in a story that I write for MLB.com. So Meredith really has to be on her game all the time as soon as that red light goes on. And um, it, it's definitely a challenge. It's a thrill. It has been awesome um, to do something different for me after 16 years on this beat and have it be new and exciting. I didn't really know that that was possible. So I'm, I'm, I really am loving it. So you know, obviously, you know, one of the uh, benefits or hassles or whatever you want to call it of, of being that yes network guy is, you know, you get those first questions, you know, when, when, uh, yeah. And I imagine it's a little bit easier to do that after a win than a loss, but you're, you're the guy there. And so going back to, again, this is Wednesday, going back to last night, I think that one thing that Aaron Boone touched on that has been pretty noticeable, I would think, to anyone watching this team right now, is that there are 11-game win streaks when you can just say, okay, well, you know, it's an 11-game win streak because the team is averaging nine runs a game. You're going to win every – and there are 11-game win streaks – or maybe, you know, there, there are win streaks when it's like, well, the team is giving up a run a game, so, yeah, they're going to win a lot. These last two weeks of the Yankees baseball, it has been every game feeling different, I feel. Every game has had a different sense of it, and you add them all up, and the result is the same, but – I think especially because of where we are in the season right now and, and the team is, like every team, still developing its identity. It's got to feel good for these guys to just be winning in so many different ways. And I think to add to that, it's that so many different people are contributing. It's not just the same guy every single night. I mean, look, Aaron Judge is torrid right now. He's got 13 RBIs in his last five games. He's playing fantastic, but it hasn't been all judged. There was a game where Glaber Torres drove in every single run for the Yankees uh, right here in Toronto the other night. So, uh, and, and really up and down the lineup, you're getting contributions from a lot of different players on this team. They really are gelling as a roster and it, it's a lot of fun to watch. These are, these winning streaks do not come around very often. So I hope the fans are enjoying it while it lasts um, because it will not last forever. And there's going to be times where uh, baseball teams over 162 have their ups and downs, but this is, they are scorching hot right now. They're getting contributions from, I, I really want to give credit to the pitching staff, by the way, I think they get overshadowed. The fact that the Yankees are scoring a ton of runs every night. Uh, the pitching staff is doing their job. Jameson Tyone was great. The bullpen has been fantastic. Nestor Cortez on the mound tonight. He has been terrific guy uh, Garrett Cole a couple of really good starts back to back Luis Severino has looked good I mean I can just name every single guy on this pitching staff and uh this is what it looks like when a team is firing on all cylinders and like I said it doesn't happen all the time so really try and enjoy it while it does last and um this is uh this has been fun to watch because you look up every night you go to the ballpark and you figure how are the Yankees going to win this game tonight? And it's uh, it's not you're thinking the opposite of like, oh, man, this is tough. And, the, you know, they're probably going to lose this game tonight. I don't think anybody in that clubhouse or that dugout has that feeling. And and hopefully the fan base doesn't either. And I think I always say this, and I'm pretty sure I even said this in the first segment. So, uh, you know, you'll forgive me, but you get to keep every single one of your wins. So anyone who wants to say right now they're only, you know, one sixth of the way through the year, that's totally true. But 
if you want to say uncharitably that instead of going 11 and 0, they went 6 and 5, okay? Which is, you know, it happens. Let's even say 7 and 4. Those four or five games end up in the standings at the end of the year, even though they came in April or some of them in May sure. now. You know, and look, how much was separating the Yankees from being a wild card team last year from being out of the playoffs last year? It was one day against Toronto. Mm-hmm. So all of these games matter. It doesn't matter when they happen. You know, a couple months from now, September's going to roll around and we're all going to act like the man, the fire is up as high as it gets right now. And everything is huge and everything matters. And it's like the last two minutes of an NBA game where suddenly all the rules change and suddenly we can review everything. But the reality actually is that these wins you know, from late April through early May will absolutely count exactly as much as the wins that happen in the last week of the regular season. Well, take that to another level here. The difference in the American League East last year was how the Yankees performed against Baltimore because they didn't take care of business against a team that, look, they were supposed to be. The Tampa Bay Rays were 18-1 and against Boston, against, uh, excuse me, Baltimore last year. The Yankees were not that good, and that was the difference. So you look at this 11-game winning streak, and yeah, some of it did not come against teams who are going to be World Series contenders. The Blue Jays, are certainly elite competition. So the fact that they came up here and took the first two games, that is a statement there. But look, Cleveland, Baltimore, Kansas City, nobody's looking at these teams to to win a title this year, but you still have to take care of business on the field. That is big league competition. And I don't care who you're playing against. You could be playing against a little league team to win 11 in a row. Uh, That is significant. And uh, But it, it is definitely more significant. They came here north of the border against this Blue Jays team, a young, exciting uh, scrappy Blue Jays team that a lot of people thought were the sexy pick to win the division this year. And to take the first two, to take that series, give the, the Blue Jays their first series loss of the year. I know that Aaron Boone said that, uh, you know, it doesn't prove anything yet. To me, it's a statement. And it says the Yankees aren't going to be pushed around this year. There's a lot that has gone right for this team so far. There is a lot that you, you can point to and say, you know, the team hasn't really been up against it in real ways this year. But you know what? Good. So when that happens, all you can do is take care of business. Like, you know, because, yeah, they're going to hit adversity. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be things that happen. What you need to do is when you're healthy and when you're going good, you need to stay hot. And all you can ask is that they do that. And that's what they've done. What was it that Mariano Duncan used to say? We we play today. <laughs> we play today. We win today. today. That's, that's it. it. <laughs> um, I, I think that it's time to get RotoWare to print up the, some of those throwback T-shirts and uh, get those in the clubhouse because that is the vibe this team has. We play today. We win today. And that's it. Well, Brian, obviously, uh, in addition to being an extremely prolific writer on MLB.com, in addition to being, you know, truly the the bard of the Yankees beat. With oh, the boy. Coming out that uh, that you constantly are gracing us with. You are also now joining the esteemed and distinguished ranks of a podcaster. Um, you are <laughs> approaching middle age. The, the world was calling you to podcast and you, you answered the bell. <laughs> well, I kept listening to John Schwartz on the Yankees magazine podcast. And I said, that doesn't seem so hard. If, if that guy can do it, <laughs> oh, uh, then, then I think if, I if, can if try we, it. If we want to say that Meredith Mrakovitz makes it look easy, I definitely feel like I make it seem hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, we started a podcast. It's, it's can my wife and I, Connie Schwab and uh, Hoke and I, uh, started a podcast. It's called My First Ball Game. You can get it wherever podcasts are you are sold, I guess. Not, <laughs> not, not sold. sold. Where podcasts are free. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, whatever, what have you. And the concept of it is, you know, Connie and I were just talking and sharing stories about 
the first game we ever attended as a fan and how vivid it is in our memory. And, you know, we were on a long drive and we said, this could be a podcast. Like, let's just get a lot of people to talk about the first time they ever went to a major league game and what that meant to them. And obviously we started with some people who are in the industry, but um, we're hoping to kind of expand that as the weeks go on here and get a selection of a lot of different people to talk about their first games or a significant game uh, in their lives. Our, our next guest is Lindsay Barra, uh, Yogi's granddaughter, who has a documentary coming out about Yogi. So it's a great opportunity for her to promote it. But we talked about the first game she went to with Yogi back at Yankee Stadium, which is David Cohn's perfect game in 1999 and how vivid that is in her mind and what the experience was like for her sitting up there in the booth with Yogi and Don Larson as they watched David Cohn pitch a perfect game on Yogi Berra Day. And it was just cool to go back. That's one of my favorite uh, Yankee Stadium moments of the last 20 or 30 years is that David Cohn perfect game because there was something magical and mystical about that. And we get into all of that in the podcast. So that will be dropping, dropping. I guess that's how we say in the podcast world. You have the lingo down, man. You're a natural. Yeah. And so that episode will be dropping imminently. And uh, so go look for that. So who's doing your production? Is it you? Is it Connie? Is it Penny? Uh, what, what's the plan here? <laughs> yes, Penny, my five-year-old daughter, is in charge of production. No, I, I, I guess we're just kind of trying to figure it out as we go along here. And uh, no, this is not a, uh, we don't have anybody on payroll. There's nobody on staff to, to run our audio levels. We're not a big league production like you at the Yankee Magazine podcast. John, as but, I sit uh, here in my bedroom, by the way, <laughs> but go on. But that's a great thing about it is that, uh, you know, we're just getting together and sharing baseball stories. And, um, you know, I, I've certainly run into some audio issues here and there, but I, I'm learning as we go along. And this is, uh, you know, just my, like the Yes Network stuff that we talked about. It's a, another exciting opportunity for me to try something different. Um, you know, I've certainly written thousands of stories. And as you mentioned, thank you for the three book plugs. Uh, Awesome to have that out there. The writing part, I've done a lot of. The the video and the audio, I am getting into, and it, it's been a ton of fun. I'm, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, because this is what we do for each other. We podcasters, you know, we, we give each other the lay of the land. And one of the truly great joys, which if you haven't experienced yet, you will soon, is the fact that as someone who's doing what is ostensibly an interview podcast, you can look forward to be finding your way onto every single email list from every single promoter on the planet. And I swear you are doing a podcast that's called my first ball game. And you will have people emailing you a perfect opportunity to talk to a guest about the war in Ukraine. And every time I get one of these, it's just like, no, you know what? Probably interesting. Not sure that's for the Yankees magazine podcast, but you know, I'll certainly keep you in mind if a guest that we have falls through, perhaps, and, and we mm -hmm. can move on to that one. Uh, oh, you know, you want to talk about your new pharmaceutical supplement? Absolutely. That seems like a great Yankees mm. magazine podcast uh, interview. <laughs> Would you mind forwarding me those? Because those might be helpful in a, a week or two. You're looking for guests. I understand. Well, no, believe me, you'll, you'll, you'll be receiving them. It, 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 it's what happens to us, you know, esteemed podcasters. Brian, uh, you know, so you're doing the TV stuff now. I, I guess, you know, you come back to New York this weekend. Do you just become simple MLB.com beat writer again? Or will you, you know, just go around and create create some new content elsewhere? 
I, you know, I'm open to anything, but I, I think I don't have to wear a suit and tie to the ballpark, which will be uh, a nice, relaxing change of pace. I, I, you know what, though? I like getting dressed up for, for the ballpark. I, I think there's something cool about that. Uh, I, I, I'm getting the butterflies as I go to the ballpark again, and that's really exciting that uh, uh, you, you kind of feel alive and you feel like what you're doing is, is important. And not that my day job isn't important, but uh, I've been doing it since 2007. You're, you're kind of used to that. Um, you know, I've learned how to kind of manage my my uh, my workload on that. This is something being thrown into the deep end of the pool, kind of trying something different. That has been a thrill. And um, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm at Yes Network Fantasy Camp. It has been totally fun. It's so funny. And I, I just have to say, I, I, I truly, like I said at the top, I think you're doing, doing a great job. You're doing way better you. than Lord knows I could do. If someone put thrust me into that situation. But what I find so great is, look, you and I, we speak you know, a couple times a week, uh, you know, I'd say I know you about as well as anyone on the beat. So you can't imagine my joy at turning on the TV and hearing not just Brian Hoke, but hearing Brian Hoke in full TV voice. And it's like, <laughs> that's not what Brian sounds like. <laughs> there, There is definitely a TV voice, Aaron, I'd like to ask you about... Um, <laughs> But you have to kind of. It's not it up just a about bit. your pretty face. It's, it's about the other things you bring, Brian. Well, you know, you want to sound good when you're on camera, and so um, it's a little different than just kind of informally chatting on a podcast like this. Well, thank you though for always coming in and informally chatting on our podcast. It is it is great to welcome you to the fold. Honestly, Brian, always happy to talk to you. Always grateful for the insight you give us into the team and ever more so this year now that we get to find you in so many different media but uh it's always great brian thanks so much you got it john thank you so much so thank you to brian and thank you all for listening to another episode of the yankees magazine podcast we are excited to be in our sixth season of the show real veterans compared to the my first ball game podcast but uh we can't wait to show you all we have coming this year if you're not subscribed what are you waiting for we're available wherever you listen to your podcast or at yankees.com slash podcast Leave us a review, leave us a rating, let us know why you think we are better than Brian's podcast, or if necessary, why you think uh, we have things that we can learn from them. Send, send us those emails to podcast at yankees.com. And because it is 2022, we have finally launched a Facebook page, and you should make sure to follow us there to stay up to date with everything we're doing at Yankees Magazine. Similarly, we are on Twitter, at Yanks Magazine. And for our Yankees Magazine subscribers, we are well into the season now you should have your april issue already may issues will be going out this week there's so much you can find there and obviously the best way to do it is by subscribing you can even score free tickets sometimes with a subscription and there are other great deals that you can get by following us on social media call 800 go yanks for details or visit yankees.com publications lastly if you'd like to see our content online get a taste of it at yankees.com magazine there you're going to find all of our stories including the ken singleton piece we discussed earlier that's it see you next time and go yanks hi this is aaron hicks for more stories like this one subscribe by visiting yankees.com publications or by calling 800 go yanks It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.